0: Welcome to the AbraMoney3.0 Show, your guide to the future of all things money. This is the part two of a three-part series of our CEO Bill Barhide in conversation with Saifuddin Amous, an economist and the author of the hugely popular book, The Bitcoin Standard. To listen to the previous conversation, please check out the previous episodes of the Money3.0 Show. In this episode, Bill and Saif take a longer-term view and talk about how we drive the mainstream
1: global adoption of Bitcoin. A quick note, the information presented in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any of the financial assets dismissed. This report should not be construed as advice designed to meet the particular investment needs of any investor. Any opinions expressed herein are either subject to change, neither ABRA nor any of the participants of the podcast make any representations as to the suitability of appropriateness of these financial assets for individual investors. Investors must take their own determination either alone or in consultation with their own financial advisors as to suitability or appropriateness of such investments. Without any further ado, over to you, Bill. Um, Let's talk about where this is going. I mean, first of all, does anything worry you uh, about Bitcoin? Like when you look at what's happening in the world of bitcoin is there something where you're like oh my god this is crazy or i wish this wasn't happening or i wish this was happening but it's not happening um i mean the thing that worries
0: me in general my my uh my main my main concern about bitcoin is the uh, number of nodes if the number of nodes for bitcoin uh drops a lot then i think uh, bitcoin has a problem so this is generally my uh, my biggest red flag because that's what maintains bitcoin's decentralization bitcoin needs these 10,000 tens of thousands of unherdable cats basically yep. around the world so that it's it continues to be impossible for anybody to herd all of these nodes or herd all of these cats together and so uh, as long as that continues then bitcoin's healthy so if that declines that's, that, that would be my uh, kind of red flag to worry about it, that the number of nodes declines. And that's why I think it's really important that the cost of running a node continues to be very low so mm-hmm. that many people are able to do it. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I think it's um, uh, generally like a liquidity crisis, a financial crisis in, in, in the larger economy could be problematic for Bitcoin. Um, um, my mind is not made up about the fact whether Bitcoin would uh, come out of a, of a real recession, a uh, depression, uh, uh, higher than how it entered it. Um, I still think, you know, it's early enough that Bitcoin could, uh, Bitcoin is small and insignificant enough that um, it may not necessarily uh Work out great for people to hold it as a hedge against the recession yeah. or against inflation or against deflation or against all kinds of other uh, Scenarios that can happen. Bitcoin is still young enough. However, I have to say that over the last few months it's been uh, It's been remarkably encouraging the fact that uh, you know Global markets are collapsing things are changing all over the world people are losing their money losing their jobs Everything is going to the dogs, basically, and yet Bitcoin is at a higher price now than where it was one year ago, or probably around the same. I'm not sure. No, no, it is higher. It is higher than where it was a year ago. It's a little bit higher.
1: I think it's about 10% higher than where it was a year ago. Yeah. Um, And I think it was March 11th and 12th, I believe it fell 50% uh, in lockstep with um, the equity markets and then has been on a actually slightly uncorrelated March. um, Yeah. Yeah uh mostly correlated but 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 even on the down days it seems to be have a a good relative strength which which is encouraging um and uh but you know like you said it's 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 very very early so so beyond i think that the node count the node decentralization is a a really good point when you think about the broader ecosystem and i'm using the term very loosely um uh, for you know all the participants miners node holders uh, i'll I'll throw in traders and exchanges, even though you know they're outside of the matrix um, Do you feel like anything is specific is missing or not working well that you wish would work differently um,
0: Not really I think um the nice thing about Bitcoin is that you know you control your own node and you do whatever you want with it, and then you're completely powerless over other people's nodes, so I think you know Bitcoin teaches you uh. <laughs> Zen contentment and just accepting the world as it is because you can't force people to change their nodes and so yeah, <laughs> you need yeah. to you you need to just come to terms with the fact that uh, this is what it is. So I tend to have a very uh, um, you know live and let live uh, idea about it. I mean I I don't think that I I don't have a sort of you know I wish this would happen or I wish businesses would do this. Um, yeah, I, th- I think. Uh, and also there's also the, the important point that I have which is that Bitcoin is not a political project. It's not a project that means people to agree and vote and come to um, a, a joint framework of how they want to treat certain topics. It's um, it, it, It's a market phenomena and it's only going to succeed if it continues to provide people with the incentive for it to succeed and so um, it, it doesn't need uh, anybody to be its guardian, you know, it's, um, it's got what people on Twitter like to call the number go up technology. And that's, uh, that, that's the best marketing and advertisement. That's why people come here because the price of Bitcoin keeps going up. It attracts people. And then, you know, as long as they keep coming in and buying in more Bitcoin, the number goes up and, uh, Bitcoin works.
1: Do, but do you fear that regulation could stop Bitcoin still? Um... You know, or do you think that we're past that at this point where it's decentralized enough where even the United States and China couldn't, quote unquote, stop it at this point?
0: It's, um, I think in terms of uh, if governments were to really go out after Bitcoin, I think they would not be able to kill it completely. And I think it would be a very expensive war to fight and it would be futile. And I think they're just not going to do it. I'm, I might be wrong, but I lean more and more toward the fact that um, this is not going to be the case. I think there was a very interesting uh, moment when um, discussing the Silk Road case. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one, one of the prosecutors or one of the investigators who was going after the Silk Road, I remember her talking in an interview saying something along the lines of, well, we looked at this thing and we started looking at Bitcoin and we, our initial impulse was that we wanted to ban it. But then we realized, she, she, she says something along the lines, we realized that that's not really going to be very practical. And then we realized, actually, we can just learn how to look at the blockchain and then start tracking the criminals and finding people. And I think this is a really, really, really powerful uh, moment. Like, th- there was In a way, point. The
1: first two people they found were her colleagues, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, right from the FBI, as I recall. So
0: Absolutely, that, that should That's...
1: say something right there. But sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go, finish your finish. Your
0: yeah, that, that, no, actually, this is uh, this is the perfect complement to that point. That you know, the 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 three, uh, the two reactions that happened from government was the first one is how the hell am I going to shut this thing down? It's too difficult. Let me just go after individual people that are using it. And I think this is the powerful thing, which is let me use this technology because it is so powerful. Let me just use it as it is Absolutely. in order to catch uh, those people. And then the second reaction, which is the other FBI agents, which is, wow, this is digital yeah. gold on, uh, on the internet and uh, it's out there. I'm going to go and get some for myself. And I, I also met with another investigator from um, some other uh, government department, and I she was discussing uh, other cases that she had had, and it was off the record, so I won't mention her name. But uh, she said that she 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 was talking about all of you know crime and Bitcoin and so on. And then I asked her, "So do you own Bitcoin?" She
1: paused for a second and said, "Yeah." <laughs> and it's it's, well, why it's do you, amazing. Agitated. Why, why do you think she was hesitant to admit it? I think she was just surprised by the question
0: because she and, and particularly because, you know, she was taking on the, um, you know, the, the, the whole, uh, this is for crime and we're out there to save, uh, to stop crime. And uh, but basically, you know, she she bought it herself. And I think um, generally the, the way that I see it is that um, to try and ban Bitcoin is like trying to ban gunpowder. Like if when gunpowder was invented, you know, if it. Yeah. Yeah, if let's say, uh, say Germany decided, all right, well, we're going to make gunpowder illegal because if we let people have gunpowder, then they can just shoot all of our uh, soldiers who have swords and sticks, and then uh, they will be able to destroy our army. So therefore, we're just going to ban gunpowder. I think in, in in these kind of technologies that are adversarial, you you you'd be foolish to try and ban the technology. The in the only logical course of action, which intuitively you see all governments head toward um, and all government agents individually, more importantly head toward is we want to make, uh, make the most of this. We want to take advantage of it. We want to get everybody in our army to have gunpowder. We want to use as much gunpowder as possible. So I think uh, uh, that aspect of it. And then also the time aspect is that I think that boat has sailed like in 2012, 2013, I part of the reason that I was not buying Bitcoin at that time is because there was definitely the distinct possibility that you could be prosecuted at some point for owning Bitcoin. You know, the, and I, and I thought initially in my mind the way that I thought it would be brought down was um, some link to crime or uh, terrorism or child pornography or whatever, and then it would be made so that if you're using Bitcoin, you are involved with this thing, and then everybody who uses Bitcoin is. Um, guilty until proven innocent. And, you know, you could end up in jail or end up in a 10-year court fight trying to prove this. I think in 2011, 2012, something like this might have happened. But the, for me personally, the turning point was the Silk Road bust because mm-hmm. uh, after it happened, two things happened. First of all, Bitcoin didn't die. And second of all, not only did it not die, but also the price rose significantly, which shows that um this thing was being used for other things, and uh, it's it's you know if if this was running the world's biggest darknet market and they still couldn't shut it down, then maybe it has legs.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, okay, so we've established that Bitcoin's not going anywhere. Uh, we've established that some unnamed regulators uh, out there, at least one, uh, she holds some Bitcoin. I actually know a couple myself, so we won't name names. That's good, um, and. Uh, do you think that the the adoption comes like with a massive spike? Do you, do you think that Bitcoin adoption comes with like a smooth curve over time? You mentioned earlier, right? Seven seven billion people wake up every morning and could influence what happens with this thing, but but they don't seem to yet. How, how, how does it how does it get to the point where everyone's got Bitcoin? Is it is it like some huge depression causes a massive spike, or is it just a gradual curve over another fifteen years?
0: I mean I honestly don't know but um uh looking at the uh plan b's uh, stock to flow model and um examining the um the dynamics around the last two halvings does seem to suggest that we're going to be going through this um boom bust cycle with every uh, boom bust four year cycle with the uh halving and um You know, with each one, we're going to be adding another zero, another digit to the price. It seems like this is how it's going. So, um, you know, people dismiss it and then they keep dismissing it and the number go up, number go up, number go up. And, uh, you know, particularly after the halving, because the new supply uh, is reduced. So when the new supply is reduced, you have much less selling pressure on the market every day. And that leads to prices rising. But then once prices start rising, people start paying more attention. That leads to more people coming in. And then more and more they come in and then, you know, the price starts going um, parabolic. And at that point, you have a lot of people becoming over leveraged, a lot of people putting in money that they need to sell, that they need to take out. So, you know, whatever it takes, eventually we get to a point where we're over leveraged and then the price crashes when, uh, you know, the small little change in the price, a lot of people get liquidated, a lot of people need to sell. And then you start getting more and more uh, selling pressure and then the bubble turns into a bust. And now, you know, the because of course also as the price rises, the selling pressure uh, increases because the value of the new coins that are being generated uh, would increase. And so maybe it's going to be like this hype cycle being repeated every four years, or maybe we'll get some kind of event that leads to much faster adoption. Um, but yeah, um, I don't have a crystal ball, so my guess is as good as anyone's.
1: <laughs> so... so- Bringing that back to the dollar, right? I mean, it, it looks like in absolute terms, right? The, the uh, in terms of currency inflation, the dollar has probably lost 50 plus percent of its value recently, right? Which is insane. The only reason it hasn't collapsed is, is because other currencies have lost more value and we don't have anything else yet. Uh, yeah, and,
0: we don't have anything else that you can send on um internationally. You, right. you have gold, but you can't, you,
1: um, you got to mail it, right? Exactly. So, so, uh, but this, is, this situation is, is untenable, right? So, uh, long term, I mean, how long do you think the dollar can last as a global reserve currency if we, if we inflate its value to zero uh, at the rate we're going?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, I've learned the hard way not to uh, write the the, the the old green back off uh, too quickly. I mean, it's, it's, it's been separated from gold backing for 50 years now already. Right and um you know we've had 50 years of people saying yep this is it this is going to be the end this is it it's gonna die it's gonna finish and it's been around and it's survived a lot of people who have called it uh who have said uh, who have called for its demise so yep. um i think what what uh, some of the uh gold bugs like me might uh, it, or we uh, i used to underappreciate is just the uh, enormous value that exists for um, for for the settlement network for the international settlement yep. network. in other words gold in 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 the uh, gold bug mind you think of gold as being money because it's you know it's it 's that coin in your hand or it 's that bar that 's money, but that 's very terrible money that 's fifteenth century money um, it 's not money that is very useful, even in the 19th century. You know, In the 19th century, people stopped using uh, gold coins and were using checkbooks and uh, paper notes backed by gold coins because it's not very convenient to be moving and dividing the gold coins. So um, I think in the same way that the Bitcoin network is made up of the Bitcoin token and the network, you need to think about gold and fiat payments as being about the token as well as the rails mm-hmm. that uh, send that payment. And so um, The differences in inflation rate or the differences in annual growth rate and supply between gold and dollar in the last 50 years have proven not to be, um, so far at least, have proven not to be bad enough or big enough to um, destroy the dollar. So people still don't have the option of using gold for uh, money because you can't have gold banking and you can't have... um, international transfer. So your choice is the dollar and other uh, currencies uh, that can be used on international uh, banking uh, infrastructure. But, um, you know, the people who control the rails are the ones who uh, get to pick their token. And so if you don't control the rails, you don't get to pick your token. And the people who control the rails want the US dollar.
1: So, so in that vein, when you think about like digitizing or tokenizing these existing currencies, right? Like, you know, Libra, uh, which could be a basket of them as a new security or these CBDC central bank digital currency, I think it means, um, do they even matter? I mean, is it just, I mean, on the one hand it's lipstick on a pig, but um, I guess you could just create more of them even easier if you don't have a paper printing press, right? If it's a digital printing press. I, I mean, yeah, is, is there any other way to think about it? I mean, what problem does it solve at that point?
0: Uh, it doesn't. And in fact, you know, um, uh, 80 90% of all money is already digital. So the sure. physical dollars don't make up more than, I think, 10 or 20% of the entire dollar supply. Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm. we already
0: have central bank digital currencies, so, and, and, and they are digital in the sense that, you know, what the currency, uh, what makes the dollar money is not the fact that some of the dollars are physical. What right. makes the physical dollars money is the fact that they refer to the government, uh, the government's money. So, in a sense, they are all digital. Um, and this, the, this central bank digital currency thing—I mean, I think it makes uh, no sense other than just as a way to um, uh, pretend to be performing uh, something innovative. Because ultimately, what makes Bitcoin or any digital currency unique, or what the real innovation there is, the idea that we take the monetary policy out of the hands of the economists and central bankers. They don't get to decide what is uh, money and what isn't. And we um, take the payment clearance out of the hands of a central bank and turn it into software. So, software decides the money supply, and software decides if I can send you one coin or not. And it decides it based on whether I have the private key for that coin or not. And if I do, it goes through regardless of who I am, what I've done, all the legal things that might be uh, associated with me. So this kind of thing, uh, both of these technologies involve, both of these functions involve the um, replacement of human judgment with technology. And so if central banks do this, if central banks actually implement a currency with a uh, fixed logarithmic, uh, fixed algorithmic money supply and with a, um, and with the ability of the central bank to freeze somebody's account, or sorry, with no ability for central banks to freeze sure. somebody's account, they'd basically be putting themselves out of business. You, know, right. just, you set the supply and then the computer does the job and the computer uh, clears all the payments. You put yourself out of business. You can't use the uh, currency to conduct monetary policy. You can't use it to finance government. And you can't use it to enforce government policies
1: in terms of you know. You can't stuff. borrow against it to fight wars either, because you can't just keep printing more to finance yourself, right? So yeah, exactly. So put you out of the uh, the war business.
0: Exactly. So I mean, I think you know, if they were going to introduce a real digital currency that they can't control, uh, it would be great. But obviously, you can't do that. That there's no way that they're going to introduce something and then um, decide all right, well. You know, we're going to pass a law that says we can't change this. Well, we can also pass a law that says we can, right. and then we can change it. So I don't really see it being anything more than just a, um, uh, well, there is, a, there is the aspect of its publicity. There is a possibility that it could be more in a sense that it could be the door for basically central banks obviating the need for banks um everybody just gets that actually, their...
1: but that's the opposite direction that actually allows governments to exert even more control
0: exactly yeah. so we 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 go back to the soviet model of having just one bank for the entire country and everybody has their own account at the one bank and you know it's all done on one digital ledger and um, you know the central bank uh, every time i send you a coin it's registered at the central bank's ledger and then you know who needs banks then So there is potential for that. But, you know, obviously, I can imagine um, banks are not going to be too fond of this kind of idea. And I can't imagine central banks uh, pulling it off. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this incredible interview. To find out more about Abra, visit Abra.com. Hit the subscribe button to be notified when we publish the part three of this conversation where Bill and SAFE take a macroeconomic view of the world today.